Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Conversations with Carlton. I am joined by my magnificent guest, Dr. Robert Nobles. Um, Robert has been a long, long, long time friend of me, has given some of the best advice that I've gotten in my entire life. And so with all that he is and all that he's doing in his community, I'm proud to have him on uh, Unsolicited Geniuses for Conversations with Carlton so that you all can also share in his brilliance. What's up, Dr. Nobles? <laughs> What's up, my man? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, so as far as I know, you are the man. Um, you you might try to convince me otherwise. Um, but as vice president for research administration at Emory University, um, for me, I view you as a scientist, as a professor, a teacher, and amongst it all, a boss. And so that conglomerate of, of, of titles of things that you do as we've had our conversations over the year, revealed themselves in some very unique ways in that I don't know that we understand how much influence Black people have, Black leaders have in the wills that control and run, at minimum, the private sector um, of our nation. And the work that you're doing at Emory, the work that you've done throughout your career resonates with me in that regard. So um, that's my intro to you. I'll pause for a second and allow you to share with our audience what is your life's craft. Well, absolutely, man. And and Carlton, thank you for having me. Uh, it's actually an honor. I've, I've been impressed with your journey for, I mean, since we met back in Miami more than 20 years ago. 305. And so right it so so this is this has been this has been real real progress real journey and and the one thing i'll say is i'm i'm incredibly humbled uh not just for this opportunity but the opportunity to share uh so you you asked me about my life's craft i would say really mobilizing individuals to maximize impact so so in and, and that's just applied in different ways Yes, yes, I've been um, a university professor. I started teaching college back in 2001. We're in 2022 now. Uh, so 21 years, I've, I've taught college. I've taught everything from anatomy and physiology, environmental biology, biology, uh, to my profession as an epidemiologist and, and, um, and, and setting up public policy and public health policy, uh, public administration, training MBA students on healthcare policy. Um, and so, so my, my, my craft has really been educating individuals, but, but, but helping people unlock their, their potential at maximizing their impact. Why, why do we do what we do? And, and I find myself, I found myself in administration. Um, I've always wanted to be an administrator. Uh, so, so, but I, but I also wanted to teach and I also wanted to conduct research and breaking down barriers to be able to do all three 
is where I find myself, where I've ended up today on my journey. And I'm still on my journey. This is, this is not the end of my journey. It's just part of the process. But um, all, all that makes us, right? I, I, I love this segment because, um, you know, I quote, I, I, I quote my dude, Kanye West, uh, <laughs> right? I, I, I quote Jay-Z, I quote other people. Look, all I, everything I am is, is, um, uh, is all what they told me I couldn't be. So, so this is just an opportunity uh, and, and the gift God gave me to, to really make an impact on this world. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I, you know, I find it impressive, the drive to teach because I look at you as a friend, look at you as a husband, as a father, as a professional, even, you know, you're a poker player, right? And <laughs> right. you take advantage, I, I feel, in every opportunity to, you know, drop that knowledge bomb as it fits, you know, and, and you are unapologetic in the things that you believe in. So, you know, always love, always props to you for doing the things that you do. So, Jumping into our show and, and our conversation um, under the context of headliners. Uh, COVID is still alive. COVID is still real. Um, I find myself, you know, doing some of the things that I used to do, that, that doing some of the things that I did under the height of the pandemic, such as hand sanitizer, keeping my hands out of my face, staying hydrated, staying nutritioned up. I do not wear my mask um, nearly as often as I once did. Um, and, and so, you know, one of the questions I ask and, you know, I pose it to you in context is, should I still be wearing my mask? Should I be wearing a mask in the grocery store? Um, got a conference that I'm going to in a couple of weeks. Should my mask be on? And if so, why? Yeah, no, that's fair. So like, I, I think the answer to the question, right, uh, takes a little bit of background into what it is that we're dealing with, and then, uh, and then, and, and I'll tell us, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that, and then also our risk appetite, okay, right, and, and, and being black men, um, there's a different risk appetite of of what we are faced with in our environment and what we're willing to bear, so. So everybody has a different risk appetite. So I, so I need to say that first and foremost, and then everybody has a different genetic makeup of how they respond to illness and underlying conditions. So, huh. so it's not one size fits all for everyone. And there's a simple answer, but let me, let me give you background just a little bit. And then I'll, I'll fast forward to, to actually answering the question. Viruses. So I studied virology um, uh, as part of what I did in studying molecular biology at FAMU uh, and becoming an epidemiologist, which means I used to track diseases. All right. What, one of the things that I know about coronavirus is that we didn't create it. It's been around before we've been around as people. And it is, it's been, and this version of it is incredibly smart. It's picked up every cloaking mechanism from other viruses that were available. And so you have to understand what a virus is so that we understand what we're faced with so that we understand how to prevent ourselves from succumbing to it. Viruses, and the analogy that I often use is this, viruses 
then it's very similar to your brain having an argument with your body. And your brain does have an argument with your body. And I'll tell you when you would notice it. If you consume too much alcohol, Mm -hmm. you black out. That's because your brain is saying you don't deserve to be in control of your body any longer. So just, just like, so, so viruses, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's when it happens. Okay. So viruses, viruses are the brain of a cell that escaped the cell. And then when it escaped the cell, because it didn't like the cell, right? Then it figured out it couldn't carry out all of the components of living without a cell. So they are, they are many, many machines of brains trying to find bodies to, to use it, to reproduce itself, to hunt for food, um, uh, to, to gain necessary resources. So a virus by itself is not living. A virus by itself is not living. So then the paradox is how do you kill something that's not alive? Mm. Right? And mm. so, so, that, so just understanding viruses by themselves is very remarkable. And viruses don't want to kill you. They want, they, they want to get into you. You not notice it for it to use your body to produce more of it and pass it on to the next person so that it can propagate. That's what viruses are trying to do. So, right? so let me, let me ask this. So yeah, viruses are not alive. Correct. And so, but there's still an awareness within it to, to want to propagate. Like a brain. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 okay. yeah. And it, and it can't do it by itself. It needs a host. It needs bodies. Okay. And it needs you and your body not to recognize it so it can produce more of it and pass on to the next person. Right, which is the reason why this this virus is so interesting is that we had asymptomatic people with the virus that can pass on disease. Our mm-hmm. usual telltale sign is that people would be symptomatic. We'd be able to notice it. We could smell it. We could see it. Sometimes we could hear it with people coughing. You could taste it, or they lose taste. Right, like so. There's symptoms that people experience to let you know you you're not quite right, and we pick up on it as humans. We pick up on people who are not feeling well. And by default, we start to retreat. We back away from those folks, all right? Right. So just in in general, we've been fighting viruses for a very long time. Coronavirus has been in our daycares and um, running through our communities since we were kids and well before that, through our parents and our parents' parents and all that. It just started picking up. It mutates. And it has mutated and picked up some very key characteristics which is awesome. And so, so fast forward to where we are to answer your question. Coronavirus has always been here. It's always going to be here. Mm-hmm. Coronavirus killed a lot of people, but it wants to mutate in a version where it doesn't kill us because when it kills us, then we can't pass on the disease and use our bodies to replicate. So it, it mutated to a version that was stronger than what it really wanted to be for it to be advantageous for its, I say survival, but it's not living, it's propagation. Okay. Right? Gotcha. So it's gonna mutate back to a weaker version to still run through our communities and hopefully doesn't continue to have the negative impacts so it can continue to live, use our bodies to continue to uh, propagate itself and pass on to the next person. 
So it's still going to be here. It's going to be on airplanes. It's going to be at your conferences. It's just now we're smart enough to say when people say, oh, I got a cold, we say, oh, do you have coronavirus? Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Like we used to say, hey, is it the flu? Oh, I have a cold, which is a ambiguous term for I don't feel well. I'm coughing. I'm sneezing. There's something in me. It could be a bacteria. It could be a virus. It could be environmental contaminant. It could be something in me that my body's responding to and giving me a signal that is trying to fight it. We're going to still have that. So what I would tell you is this, based on your risk appetite, what's going on in your body and how you feel, right? It, um, yeah, you should sleep and reduce stress and eat appropriately and exercise. You should do those things in your, in your temple. Your body will be stronger as a result, right? right. And, and, then, and then it will be prepared to fight off, which we come in contact and have exposures to disease all the time. And our body is built to fight it unless you do things to damage your body's ability to fight. That's that right. life is behind. I don't do that no more. I don't do, we, <laughs> I do we don't that. do that I mean, no more. <laughs> not, not like we used to, not like we used to. Right, right, right. right. And so when we take care of ourselves, we can fight and the vaccines work, the boosters work. Right. It's prepared our body to be able to identify it quickly and fight it. If we keep ourselves healthy, we're, we're going to fare off better than people who don't. Uh, and so what I would say is continue to be vigilant about your environment. Open air is the best place to be. Okay. You can have dinner outside. I saw people running in the pandemic with masks on outside. I'm like, that's the, I can't, I'm like, that's the dumbest crap I've ever seen. Like, like we know in environmental health, that dilution is the solution for pollution. The same thing is for diseases. When you're outside, the likelihood of a viral particle leaving somebody, unless they're right in your face, flying through the air and coming in your nose and your body not being like to fight it is so remarkably low. Like that's not a that's not a thing. Okay. But if you're in a capsule, if you're riding in the train and there's no circulation, risk goes up. Mm -hmm. airplane without proper circulation risk goes up if you're in an uber or a lift and the windows are rolled up and the guy's coughing in the front seat risk go up mm -hmm. right so so the more natural air you have the lower likelihood of you actually getting exposed and then you have to figure out if you are exposed how likely would your body be to fight it and ward it off before you encumber disease so I would say pay attention to people around you. If they look sick, put on your mask. If you feel like you're crammed up, put on your mask, right? To lower the opportunity. But if you're in big open spaces and everything is all good, you're not crammed up in a in a conference room next to some people you don't know and, and they don't look healthy or they're coughing, they sneeze, somebody's like, <clears throat> if they start projecting anything to give you a signal that something ain't quite right, then that's when I mask up because I'm like, I, I don't want to catch what they got. It could be a cold. It could be coronavirus. It could be the flu. It could be anything. Right. They could be trying to hide it, right? And so I just pay attention to the people around me and make decisions like that. So a couple observations and then a question. So one, you said we didn't create it. So is China off the hook? They didn't create it. They didn't create it. Okay. No, well, no. Here, so let me let me, let me me tell you why. Okay. I know that definitively. Mm -hmm. In the history of man, we've never been able to 
like we've never been able to create something we can't kill. Okay. Okay. So the easiest thing for man to do is kill something. Okay. Right. The easiest thing. I mean, I'm in Texas. So the short answer I got is hell yeah, but go ahead. (laughs) That's true. Right. So, so we, and we, we can't, we can't create something that we don't know how to kill the body, the body's immune system and all of its magic is the only thing that can rip that virus apart from each other. The reason why we got vaccinations is to aware the body that this is something that you should recognize as harmful to you. So it it takes away the cloak, the invisible cloak of the virus if you get exposed to it and allows the body to do their action. So if we can't kill it, We dang sure, damn sure, didn't create it. <laughs> okay, all right. Like, I, I'll file that one away. We'll we'll read China, China, yeah, China isn't off the hook per se because. All right, so I will say there are vaccine there there are virus challenge studies. What does that mean? Somebody asked me one at uh, one day, because um, I because I said China, China, China. I'm like, no, they can't do that. And they, they asked me, they said, is there a way that uh, man can make a virus stronger? I'm like, hmm, yeah. But it would be, it's experimental, but it's accident and they won't know how they did it. Okay. So let me give you a for instance. We could take a person, this is all unethical, right? And I'm over bioethics and, and other stuff but it would it would it's an unethical thing that i'm about to say but they used to do experiments like this uh in in nazi concentration camps we used to do experiments like this in jail systems historically before we had a full infrastructure to provide oversight of research that actually happens but so disclaimer to the audience don't try this at home yeah 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 like this is not a thing <laughs> um but but I guess conceptually, we could take a person and inject them with a bunch of bacteria and a bunch of different viruses mm-hmm. and see if those viruses find each other and become a super bug. And then if it doesn't kill the host, then somehow it worked. And when they pass on disease, it will be that new combination of disease. Now, when the host to... pass on disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If All it right. doesn't kill the host, Right. Right. Then it it could make a, a, a cocktail of viruses in my body come together and be a super bug. It can allow it to mutate and find each other mm-hmm. if it didn't just wear me down and kill me. Okay. Right. That's why we have signs and symptoms of disease, because then if that's the case and you see somebody walking around like a zombie, like coughing, like everybody backs up and gets out the way. Right. So exposure is typically very limited. And so one could try to do these these experiments in a living individual to try to see if viruses come, they wouldn't be able to understand it, but it could make it, could make it stronger because that's why we get so many mutated versions of the current coronavirus. It's mutating faster than most viruses. Its cycle is quick because it's picking up, it picked up elements of the common cold, it picked up elements of the flu, it picked up elements of resiliency and like it's picking up all these special things because 
people were sick that got exposed and then they gave the new version to somebody else. Like viruses are, they're, it, it's a machinery that all they want to do is survive. Kind of like roaches that we had back in the day. They still around. They're not gone. <laughs> <All right. laughs> they not still around. House. I just saw one the other day, shocked me. Like, oh, you don't belong here. <laughs> so, exactly. so then, so China didn't make it, but not off the hook. And so if I bring it back home and kind of back into just individual experiences, one of the thoughts I was having, and it doesn't necessarily sound like you're against it when you talk about um risk profile is i feel like it's it's kind of like flu season a forever flu season you know to work in healthcare you know we knew you know november december start getting ready because the offices the emergency rooms the hospitals are going to be inundated with people with the flu now yep. there's the flu shot um and you know available in, in, in my organizations or some of the organizations I worked in even required us to, to do it, uh, made it mandatory. But, and, and so during flu season to add the heightened awareness that I did, I was more aware of where my hands were. I was more aware of washing my hands. I was more conscious of shaking hands and doing those other things. But needless to say, I didn't wear a mask. I did not go someplace. I just right. knew you know, be careful, this is the season. So in theory, if in looking at my risk profile, mm -hmm. I feel like that's where I've landed. You know, mm -hmm. at a, in an airplane, as I travel in the airport, on the airplane, for sure, still wear a mask. Um, I haven't been to any concerts or anything lately, but I'm inclined to say in, you know, in the venues, especially to the ones here in Austin, I'm inclined to say I'm going to throw on a mask. Okay. Um, but beyond that, it I feel like with having the vaccine, having the booster, my risk profile is such that I'm not wearing the mask in the grocery store. I'm not wearing it at the frequency that I used to. But I'm doing it still at a heightened awareness of, you know, what used to be flu season now being an ongoing coronavirus season. Yeah, and flu season and cold season and everything else season. No, you all, all that's all what you're saying. That's what we got right now. It's all yeah. the all the seasons right now. Yeah. And so so we we have to make those determinations. I think, I think. From a psychological standpoint, what we've been through over the last couple of years, at the height, because it came, because the height of it has been reduced and we're seeing people because they're vaccinated, not in the hospitals as much, not suffering from severe illnesses, our risk profile is being recalculated consciously and subconsciously, mm -hmm. right? So, but if you have underlying conditions and you're worried about your lungs, you're worried about your health, you got diabetes, you got stuff that you need to be more protective of, you should be more protective of that. Yeah. If you're healthy, if you're healthy, then you just pay attention to your environment. Now, you mentioned concerts um, and grocery stores. What we, what one of the things that has happened over the last couple of years is that people pay particular attention to their engineering controls. 
they turned over more open circulation in those environments much more than what they used to. We didn't blow them at capacity, right? So there's there's more airflow coming in, filtering out. The, we put more HEPA filters on things. Uh, so most of the environments, unless you're in the hood, um, uh, that most of them have strong engineering controls on top of it because they know if people get sick there, they're going to quit coming there. Right. And they and, and everything is set up for us to have environments of where we spend money. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you're cramped up in a concert and you feel like people all around you, but the surface area for that, there has to be a whole lot of coughing and sneezing activity going on. You you'll hear it. You know what I mean? Like you'll hear it. And then you'd be like, you know what? This this place a little bit. This stuffy. may not be for me. <laughs> yeah, it's stuffy in here. Like if you walk into a place and you could tell that it the the air is heavy, uh-huh. I'd put on the mask because then there ain't no air circulation. Okay. Duly that's that's good. That's good information yeah. to have. I think, you know, being sensitive to the world around you for me has always been important. Um, you know we're not talking about guns right now, but we're talking about health and wellness. And so I think in the environment of guns, knowing where the exits are, knowing where your entrances are, knowing, you know, having a strategy, if if it pop off, what are you gonna do is relevant in particular to places that you frequent. You know, we all, everybody clearly can still be caught off guard. But to me, what it sounds like, you know, I would be adding to that vigilance is, how is the air feeling? How is the air flowing? Because you know when you're in a stuffy spot. Yeah, you, you know. know. Right? Whether it's uh, yeah, smoke there's... flowing or it's people all up on you, whatever it is. I think I went to a spot in Brown Sub in Miami one time. I'm like, man, this place is stuffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, Miami got the beaches, so you got a, you got nice open <laughs> environments down in Miami too, but yeah, we got a couple stuffy spots. Yeah. The, the brown subdivision. Yeah, I, I, I've been there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think what you offer is a perspective that we clearly don't hear on a recurring basis on the news, hear on the news, read in the news, and clear and, and definitely on social media. And so in your world, in your environment, what work do you do? And if not work, what is your perspective around the misinformation that's mm-hmm. out there about this stuff? Yeah, so I, so, man, I, the misinformation is real. And what I try to do uh, nationally is have conversations related to building public trust back in healthcare. Okay. And back in public health, um, I, I don't I don't get involved in individual conversations. I'm not on Twitter tweeting, trying to be the epidemiologist voice of the world. I'm not doing any of that stuff, okay. right? I mean, if family members, if, if people ask me, like you just asked me, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you the real deal. After going to school for twelve years studying about disease and how the body works, I could tell. I could tell you. Like I can tell you, <laughs> sometimes people don't want the truth, right? And right. and so so people people look for information that supports their current way of thinking. 
And, and what we, what we fail to do as a society is be challenged with our thoughts. Right. And so, so I got Democrat friends. I got Republican friends. Uh, I got, I got friends of all colors on purpose because, because you can learn something from everybody. And so, so, but when we, when we shut off our minds to be able to learn from folks in our environment, we're, we're, we're creating our own altered reality. And so, so misinformation is a big deal. Um, but I, what, I, what I'm trying to do is promote science, promote the understanding that there's infrastructures in place to have a review of science and that you can trust information from certain sources. The worst thing that happened, and I let me see when it happened. It happened when George W. Bush was president. It was the first time I saw media uh, 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 presenters, the people who are on TV, give their opinion about what was going on. And I'm like, we, I'm not, I'm not watching the news to hear your your perspective, like your opinion, right? I need you to report yes. the news. And yes. until from that point forward, they were acting as if they were the voice of the news, not dis displaying the news. And so misinformation, I mean, we're riddled with misinformation because it's all turned into pop culture. What is what will what headline will sell? Um, how do I put my name out there? Mm -hmm. Right. And and I'm like, we're about imagery and nobody really wants to get down to the core. So what I try to do is promote and help individuals get their messages out um, when they have something solid to sell, but people aren't going to the sources where people are publishing. So we're, we're misaligned. And I think we're intentionally being masked from the truth in many aspects. So we have, we have to be hungry for what we don't know. Um, mm -hmm. Just to be honest with you, but I have I have broad conversations of how we how do we get this right uh, nationally, um, and then you know and then I'll chop it up with with people that I know or people at my university. Whenever I'm talking to my 450 staff members that report into me, or I'm giving a presentation to associate deans and deans, I'll tell them what I think. I'll, I'll tell them exactly what I think. Uh, and, and what I know about diseases and misinformation and what we need to do. But um, you, you, you have the tagline unsolicited genius. And what I've, what I've practiced myself doing uh, to not get in the fray is uh, give information with people when it's solicited uh, because, because some of the information that I give is, is deeper than what people want to deal with. They they want they want the superficial rob and I can do that, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Kanye said that about Jay Z when he jumped on the album. He was like, "I want the superficial Jay," and he gave me the like. So so I I I'm always careful about uh, sharing too much uh, when people aren't really asking for it. No, it's a life lesson. I mean, that's the that's the irony um, in the title of of the podcast of the show is that oftentimes people don't want to hear. They don't want to be told whether it will be beneficial to them or not physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Um, it's There's also a readiness for it because at any given point in time, we're dealing with the fear, we're dealing with the burden. And yeah. sometimes in, in, in that truth, in the moment, if we don't have a space to place it, 
just gets on that list of fear and overwhelmingness. And ultimately, those are the triggers that are uh, uh, touched, uh, so to speak, when you provide unsolicited advice. Yeah. Um, but on unsolicited genius, you know, they just get in brilliance, whether they want it or not. And everything Indeed. you've shared Indeed. thus far fits right Indeed. with that. And so on that, I'm going to transition us. Uh, uh, you talked about truth and trust and then also, you know, telling people what you think. Uh, my boy, who I'm a big fan of, Will Smith, we all know what he did a few months ago. He has as, uh, either yesterday or today, um, I saw it today issue an apology um and i am of the mindset i am the person i am of the faith where i have forgiveness is 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 in me forgiveness is for us all and so i'm curious to continue to see how this thing transpires with him um but at minimum you know, he says, sorry, I give him that sorry. I, I give him that apology. I give him that space. Um, in the apology, however, he also said that he's reached out to Chris Rock and Chris Rock ain't there yet. He's not ready to talk. He will make him aware of the point at which he is ready to talk, which I think is totally sure. fair. That's so, um, Question one, have you seen the apology, whether you did or didn't? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on the whole situation? And I ask because, you know, being friends, being boys, um, yeah. we have referenced in different conversations, Dr. Dre and, and, and don't turn me into the old me, yeah. right? You got a version, I got a version. And so I have no idea how I would have reacted if I was in Chris Rock's shoes. I, I believe he wholeheartedly did the right thing, but I don't know that that would have been my response at the time or even since, simply because that would have been one of those moments that had me looking at a previous version of myself. So all that, what is your take on the apology, if you saw it, but really on the situation um, in its entirety? Yeah, so, so I, I have not seen the most recent, but let me, tell you, let me tell you the psychology of apologies. Okay. <laughs> let, me just, let me just tell you that. So, so what I have noticed, because I, I enforce rules of a university, and I, I, I studied microeconomics, which is the, 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 the practice of individual decision-making for your own private gain right? That's microeconomics is individual decision-making. And so what, what Will Smith, uh, who I admire, right? I like his movies. Uh, Jordan Big Lucas got a, got a song about Will, like, like Will, Will, Will is the dude, right? Uh, from Summertime, one Will. of the greatest songs okay. ever made. You can't have summer without summer, <laughs> summertime. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> Welcome to Miami. So, right. uh, so I don't know. About, I don't. I don't know about that one. That one, <laughs> you know, I give him his space. He made a lot of money, sold a lot of records. Oh, he but... brought people to South Beach. Yeah. He brought people to South Beach. Yeah, Man, you, yeah, yeah. You, need to you need to love him for tourism. Uh, <laughs> you need to love that. True that. 
No, but 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 not so he he carried out some actions. I, I'm a I'm one, I'm a believer of forgiveness. Okay. Like, like you mess up, like we all like we go, we overreact. We or if we feel we overreacted, or we don't like how people are reacting to the way we reacted in the decision that we made. So 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 these 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 superstars are are have calculated apologies. So to what you don't know is if it's coming from the heart. Like, dog, did you really meant to hit me? Right? Like that that's the real thing. Like what what provoked you to want to strike me? Now, actually, to be honest with you, I think the whole thing was choreographed. From start so, to finish. From start to finish. So to because today, three months later. All of I, it's... the whole thing is choreographed. Okay. Like that's what I that's what I personally believe. Hey, because there's fair. an old clip. There's an old clip of something very similar to what Will Smith did and how Chris Rock responded and how his head went down. Like I've never hit anybody that that popped up and was smiling. Like I <laughs> like I and could talk. Like you would be <laughs> like I'd you'd be rattled. Right. We're, right. we're talking about we're talking about our robot, right? Like like I I if you're gonna if Chris Rock ain't that strong. He's pooky. <laughs> like, from, <laughs> like, he is pooky. Like, he ain't that strong. So if Will Smith was really going to hit him, dude would have fell. <laughs> like, that, like, that whole thing was choreographed. But nevertheless, let's let's say it is real. Because you're this asking pretend, the Right, let's go with that. So the apology is that, okay, they did this thing. He got mad. You were talking about my wife. My wife didn't like it. Um... I'm going to approach you about it, and I am going to exert dominance by slapping you because I am trying to hurt you by punching. Mm-hmm. I'm going to embarrass you for embarrassing me, right? Like that's that's the only way a man would slap a man in 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 our cultures. Open hand, like, yes. Yeah, yes. like I mean, yes. That's a, not it's not really a thing, but it's all good. Right. So so what? Even if it was choreographed or not, what he what he didn't know is that uh, how people were going to respond and what people were going to think of him about it. He didn't think through that, right? Like a lot of us are Freudian about the act, the 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 direct and indirect outcomes of our actions. And and as deals that he was in, when it starts to impact, because we're in a capitalistic society, the money that you make, then you feel. I need to elevate my sorriness to everybody so that they can forgive me. So what I would tell you, I bet whatever you heard in his new apology, increase the level of sorriness so that people could say he means it, which is a public cry for forgiveness mm-hmm. so that he can go back to work. Okay. And so, so now could he really be sorry? I think it makes you think like, man, did like, Man, I maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like I thought I was doing a good thing, right? But when his wife comes on and the wife's mom, right? Jada's mom comes on and like, I've never seen him do that before. Maybe he needs to go to counseling. I'm like, they 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 sell they they sell they sell my dude out. Listen, if I had to pinpoint, I guess frustration wouldn't be the right word, but that whole dynamic between he, Jada, Red Table Talk, social media, yeah. what the kids do and don't do. 
you know, all of that, that dynamic is connected. And is. what I've seen, to your point, it could be choreographed, it could be staged, but in perceiving it to be a real event, what I have not seen is the support that I would want, that I would expect from the people that say they love you. Um, yeah, which very much seems to be even a distancing from the reality, if not a distancing from him, because he, in the apology, in the recent apology, he acknowledged his family. He apologized to to how this has impacted them. So from my vantage point, they're very much still a family. But in terms of them toward him, it seems like there's a distancing from the reality of what transpired. Um, but let me ask you this, because this, that you know, haven't been new. There have only been a handful of uh, comments or, you know, the talking heads reactions and response that I've seen to it. But one of them talked about Black men and the stereotype. So do you perceive this, if we assume to be real, um, mm -hmm. do you perceive this as a referendum on Black men and, and indicative of how we conduct ourselves. Ah, that's interesting. Um, it's 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 an interesting question because that the underlying question I saw written on the walls of the African American History Museum in D.C. Okay, and it it was interesting because I used to tell young uh, college black males when I was going, giving them leadership training, is that whenever you, whenever you go into a corporate job place, you cannot show your anger. You cannot show your anger. Because inherently, we have always been a threat to society, right? Like, like in, and so when I, when, I was, when I went to the African American History Museum, I was reading in the way that they broke slaves, was was based on it, telling them the exact same thing and i had to i had to i had to watch myself and say man they, like i didn't even know that was there like we can we couldn't be mad we couldn't be emotional on the plantations or we got beat right and so so when you ask me is it a referendum on black males and how we conduct ourselves I, I think it's I think it's different. I think it's the excuse. I think it's playing into people's fears that even if Will Smith can do it, this is why I'm afraid of black males or I'm afraid of these people. When when inherently Will has been projected as being a the one of the best versions of us. Mm -hmm. And if he could break, any of us could break. Hey, y'all need to be on notice, right? Like. It, it, so I don't think I, I don't think by the sheer nature that they say, oh, well, you know, Carlton's going to go into the job. And if y'all mess with him, he's going to like a pimp slap y'all. No, like, but, 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 or Robert, right? Like Dr. Nobles, uh, be careful. Don't get on his bad side. Uh, he'll Will Smith you, right? <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think they're doing that, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking like, I, and it's subconscious. I mean, for people who want to be prejudiced, sure like they might be more conscious it's just that these are untamed animals but it, but it feeds into something that that we that that is part of the foundation of this culture and the world that we live in in america right like like they want us to be 
less than, and they're looking for ways to put us back in that box. So the people who are saying that are subconsciously introducing subconscious bias to the situation to justify how they feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's unfair all the way around. So to answer your question directly, do I think that that's a reflection of each uh, of each black male? Hell no. Yeah. We're each, all of us are different. We just don't have the opportunity to have the benefit of the doubt. They no one has come out and say, hey, you know, maybe there's 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 anger in the black community. Maybe we need to do mental health. Maybe there's built up stress from all of the pressures on society that put on black males that impact their health, may, maybe we should change the conversation instead of trying to pick an excuse of why the people you fear, the people that you believe are a challenge and a struggle um, is justified from your perspective. No, that's fair. Oh, so, that's so, fair. So, so no, I don't, I don't look at it as a reflection of that. Like he, he got pushed. And I mean, and, and truthfully, if, if 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 I'm out and somebody starts ragging on my wife, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna feel some type of way. That's gonna be bothersome, right? And so 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 that that phenomenon that happened in that moment could have been real. It could have been fake, but the truth is, you you should not try to demean people in a public setting for a laugh. Period. You don't know what they're going through. No, and that 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 is also very fair. I think, you know, to be a fan, if not connoisseur of comedy, um, I love comedy, not just for what yeah. it does, that it laughs, but the art and the effort and the work and the brilliance, the genius that goes into, you know, being able to get on the stage and get people to laugh on command. Right. Um, you know, I'm Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, um, um, you know, the list goes on. Um, but Robin, uh, Robin Williams, um, may right. he rest in peace. I thought he was a brilliant, he, he not brilliant. just stand up comedian, but brilliant comedic actor. He was brilliant. And so there's art there, but there's also just like everything else. You have accountability in your work. As a podcaster, I have accountability and responsibilities in my work. And as a comedian, you have accountability and responsibilities. And if you choose to go a particular route in how you get your laugh, there's going to be consequences and repercussions for that. Now, does it? do you deserve a violent, a physical response? No. no. But, you know, kind of, you know, like uh, I, the, the Wayans family did an interview a long time ago with Oprah. And she asked them, because, you know, they had made jokes about her. So, you know, they apologized and, you know, did some things. But they asked, who won't you crack the joke on? And they said, God, because you won't like it if he crack one back. <laughs> and so I think whoever it yeah. might be, it's just realizing that if you crack in that direction, that there's the opportunity for them to crack back. And it won't necessarily be uh, tit for tat as in the case with Will Smith and Chris Rock, but there is a reality to that. And, but that being said, you know, I don't know 
again, Chris Rock hasn't spoken. He's not ready to speak. I, he, you know, first report said he didn't know she had alopecia. He thought it was a hairstyle, right? You know, I don't know. But I mean, um, I mean, there's songs ball head. Like, I mean, there's like, like you, you, dude. It was, it was on the line whether she had alopecia or not. We know how women and, and black women feel about their hair, regardless of, you know, what the scenario is. So if you go that path, you got to be ready for the smoke that's going to come back. <laughs> you got to be, be ready. I'll say one thing. I'm actually, I'll find out. I'm, I see Chris Rock tonight in concert. Okay. Okay. And, uh, All right, well, text me what he said. I know he won't let you take your phone in. I've seen him live too. So I know it won't Kevin be Hart none of that. Either. But, but afterwards, yeah, let yeah, me know yeah, what yeah. he said. I'll yeah. let you know. Okay. Well, on that, we're going to take a break and, and be right back. everybody this is conversations with carlton i am joined by my astute guest uh dr robert nobles um so we talked headline news so what in the sports so amongst all the things like i said scientist professor boss and uh social contributor society community man fatherhood all these things you are a sports fan and uh, a Denver Broncos fan, even more specifically. Um, and even more specific than that, you are Denver's Broncos fan with a new quarterback. Absolutely. We're in the offseason training camps just starting the last couple of weeks. Um, how are you feeling about your 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 team? I'm excited, man. Look, 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 look. We haven't had a quarterback. I mean, I go through all my quarterbacks, right? I had I had Tebow. I had Jay Cutler that came over from Chicago. I had Jake the Snake Plumber. <laughs> Jake had some potential, man. Jake was fun, man. I forget about Jake. Jake was fun. <laughs> man, I like I like Jake the Snake too. Uh, man, we we brought some people in. We, you didn't we, mention Peyton. You had you had. I got had, I got the jersey of Peyton on the you wall. You had two versions because you, you kind of got him while he was still balling. Because when he first got to the team, y'all offense was killing it. But yeah. then the Super Bowl that y'all won with him, you won despite him. He was so, not, not despite. Like he was, I, he was, a, he was. A, I wouldn't say despite. Like he, he wasn't. He, he didn't. He didn't carry the team. Yes, but but he didn't. He didn't mess it up. Like he wasn't a Joe Flacco. He ain't a Ryan. He ain't a Matt Ryan. Like, Over his career, no. 
But none. That them, uh, I I give it's your team. You watched it more than me. I give it to you. I'll defer to you. I'll defer to you. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like he was he wasn't at his best, but he got us there. Brady wasn't at his best, and they keep winning. You know, Brady ain't been at his best last couple of years. You know what is Brady's best? His best is to win. You know what I mean? Like that's the outcome is still the same. So there's easy ways. I think teams that can get to him you once you get to him you got him more so than in the past he doesn't have as much kind of in the pocket scrappiness but the results are still the same which is why he came back with manning everything you just said is what i say about manning when he was with the broncos i'll give give you that show him the same amount of love they both old they was both moving (laughs) slow and they both won i love it yeah no I give you that. I give him that. So, so you feeling good so, about it? Yeah, you know, I mean, we we had Bridgewater too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we had Mike Shanahan as coach, I was like, man, they would never get a black quarterback, right? We would never get because you they wanted system, 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 system. Um, I like the way uh, Russell moves. I, I like who he is. I like his flash. Uh, you saw him at the ESPYs. I like it. I like it. I like mm-hmm. the swag. I like the swag. And so what, what we have in Denver is, is hope because we know Duke could win. We know he can ball. And now, and now all we need to do is put the infrastructure around him to make it happen. So, sure. I mean, I, we should have got Von Miller back. Uh, I, I mean, we we loaned them to the Rams so they could win a Super Bowl. Appreciate it. It was nice, right? I rooted for him. He cool. with the Bills now, right? I know. I yeah. mean, he's gonna freeze. He gonna freeze up there. He, well, I mean, but the Bills got a nice quarterback up there too. But I, I would have loved to see him back in the home team. Uh, but man, Broncos, Broncos. Here, all right, Carlton. I'm excited every season. Let me, let me, let me say that. Like I, okay. I have to tell you, I'm excited about how it's starting. A couple of preseason games happen. We might win them all and then start losing five in a row. And I'm like, man, this team, oh gosh. Or we might lose all our preseason and start coming out banging, win the first four. And they're like Super Bowl and then they lose the next six. So I'm excited every season. But this season, I think there's some. There's Just a little, little extra pepper on it. You got a little more yeah. spice. I'm good. So, so you and I have a friend in common who is a huge Saints fan. So, and I hope to have him on uh, one day as well. But before then, we'll just refer to him as the, the Saints fan. If this were his team, he would be hollering Super Bowl right now. Like no preseason, no prep, no nothing. He would be hollering Super Bowl right now. Is that where you are? Ooh. All right, here. So, so I ain't quite there yet. And the reason why I tell you is because we're in AFC West. Yes. And let me tell you what's in the AFC West. You already know it's in the AFC West. We got Kansas City. We got the Raiders. And they just, they just, they added, they added some pieces, right? Mm-hmm. They added some real pieces. And then we also have uh, the Chargers. And they are good. That's three. So them three. So it's four in the division. 
and three of the teams in your division got fans that's hollering Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, the Raiders, yeah. the Raiders ain't been there in a minute, but I got a, a friend who, you know, will also be on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Huge Raider fan, ultimate Raider fan. Um, check them out. Got a YouTube channel, all that good stuff. They got Vegas and they got Devontae Adams. And as far as Raiders are concerned, that's, you know, there's a question around Derek Carr. He isn't Russell Wilson. He isn't Pat Mahomes. And he isn't um, your Chargers quarterback. His name slips my mind right now. But Hubert. Uh, Hubert. Hubert. Yeah. He's yeah. hot. Which is, which he's hot. He, he's, he's a bad boy. And he's so, hot. but the Raiders have an energy about him. And so I think for you, 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 that it suggested as much as you are a huge fan and an excited fan, you also are an aware fan because regardless of how good you are, how great you all are. And I think with, with your defense, with the running game that you had last year, all the pieces that you had bringing Wilson Wilson in at quarterback, y'all got a chance playoffs. And once you make the playoffs, Absolutely. you know, it's a new I'll season. Say playoffs, yeah. I'll say so, playoffs. But y'all yeah. got a tough, y'all had the toughest division in football. Right. Right. I mean, it's like SEC battling each other, right? I mean, I, I wanna I wanna I wanna be hyped up about University of Tennessee this year too. Um, I wanna be hyped up about my Longhorns, right? I, I rock the Longhorns, we've got my doctorate there. Um man, it it's real out there in the field, right? And so there's something more than just talent. And that's what I tell people, even, even in society, something more than talent. And that's grit. Mm. Like you got to, you got to embrace the struggle to find your strength. Mm -hmm. And, and right now, I, I don't know the mentality with a new coach, right? Like firing coaches all the time, getting new people. I don't know if we have the mental toughness. I don't know. And, and that, that's fair. Cause I mean, I think what you've seen, cause who, who won the Super Bowl last year? The Rams. The Rams, that's right. So what we've seen is a lot of teams that have talent. I think about the Titans and Derrick Henry and just the way that they were wrecking shop up to a certain point. Okay. Um, think about Green Bay and everything that Aaron Rodgers is and everything that he comes with and the greatness that he does have, you know, separate from the shenanigans off the field. But the greatness on the field, it don't translate into Super Bowls. And it's not him. Right. There's no list fix Aaron Rodgers. There's a grittiness to the team. There's a dynamic to the team that doesn't get them there. And I think with the Rams, as much as, you know, they were a peace together team, they went through enough as a unit that once you bring Odell, once you bring in Stafford, yeah. that they play their role and the coach, because he's been through it, he went to a Super Bowl and lost. And so, that is what ultimately is what carries them through. You got to get to the playoffs. So you got to be yeah. good to get to the playoffs. But then those are that that energy, that that gumption is what carries you through to no, really win. I agree. Like, like it and it's not individual, it's collective. And so when you bring a what Russell Westbrook to the Lakers and you ain't a team player, homie, your team falls apart. 
you, you, you can't be ice. You, you, it can't just be you, right? Like it can't just be you. And um, I don't like. I, I want. I want the team to galvanize behind Russell, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like. I want my team. I want my team to galvanize against uh, Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Way we know we we, I, we know we're did. not talking about the Lakers right now. We we yeah. we know you're talking about yeah, Russell yeah. Wilson. Yeah, I want them to galvanize behind him with him and he galvanize behind them as a true team. Mm-hmm. Locked locked up saying we we are in this together and we got a mission to accomplish. And if people are out for self, it's going to fall apart and we're going to see the holes. Like so so I just, it's really about how, how you bring it together. And, and I'll just say, when in the workplace, we need to be bringing teams together in the same exact fashion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? To where everybody bands together and we're like, we're in it together. So I ask people who join my team, like, hey, I'm on a journey. We're on a journey as an organization. Do you want to be part of this journey? And, you know, what I like about that analogy um, or application really in the workspace is to your other point about the grit and what it takes in this conversation to get to a Super Bowl in the workplace, right? There's going to be those situations where things don't go the way you plan. There's going to be a budget (laughs) miss. There is going to be, you know, in the healthcare space, patient outcomes that aren't as ideal or favorable as you want as a team as a unit as a department as an organization do you keep it together or do you fall apart does the stress of the moment have you all in fighting or does the stress of the moment have you all having that early morning late night meeting even though you would rather be someplace else but you're focused and you're honed in on working together to come up with solutions, resolutions, so that you can achieve in the corporate environment what be the, would be the equivalent of an above 500 season, equivalent of making the playoffs or the equivalent of winning the Super Bowl, to only know that, yeah, we celebrate today, but guess what? Tomorrow we got to get ready to do it all over again. Yeah. And so, do you have, so why why did Boston Celtics fall apart? They didn't have that, and I was rooting for them, right? So it's the I exact same thing. I, I, I get it. I get they it. Beat right? my they, heat, and then <laughs> me turn around and chip. I'm not. I'm not built that way. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. So 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 what we what what we need the Broncos to have is the Golden State mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like, I you know, because you, you talk about Russell Wilson, not Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook, and what didn't happen with him at the Lakers, the team, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And when you think about Golden State, you know, I don't know if the experts would say they epitomize team ball, but as a fan, they epitomize team ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you know that their star his star power is that of unlike most that we've seen, you know, star power is up there with the likes of Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, 
Kobe Bryant, you know, Shaquille, you know, stars, yeah. stars. Where yeah. his when his career is over, he will still be up here in people's yeah. minds and people's hearts. But at the end of the day, he plays his role and he supports the role of everybody else on that team. Draymond Green, annoying for many yeah. different reasons. But <laughs> yeah, when already. he's on that court, he knows what he's there to do. Yep. And he does his best. He, you know, you get him sometimes, sometimes he can, sometimes he doesn't. He's getting older like, you know, everybody else does. But when he's on the court, he knows his role. And it's a combination yeah. of point guard, center, and and power forward, I guess. Clicking, clicking, clicking. And I'm like, oh, my. And, and when they miss, they ain't on each other. They ain't looking at each other. No. They ain't making little memes. They just like, all right, come on, man. Like, you got this. And then they 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 are they are banding together. They ain't got no doubt. I need my Broncos to come with that same fire. Right. That same belief from the inside. But well, yeah, my, do I think we'll make the playoffs? The answer is yes. Okay. Well, my Raiders homie would hate to hear me wish y'all well, but he's <laughs> not on right now. So I wish y'all well this season, and I can do that with confidence because y'all in the AFC, my Giants in the NFC, and in the miserable NFC East. Um, I don't – I'm excited for football. I'm excited to see my boys in uniform on the field of play, right? That excites yeah. me. I love seeing my Giant Blue run out onto the field. <laughs> now, this year – <laughs> After that, I all be, that's all I got. I'm excited, but what transpires as they wear these <laughs> uniforms on the field, I'm clueless to. You know, I I think we started training camp a couple of days ago, and I'm looking at all the pictures, trying to get a sense for the team yeah. energy. And I think I'm looking for what what you have been talking about. I'm looking for hype i'm looking for camaraderie i'm looking for star power but a team a unit that is us against them us versus the right. cowboys right right and, and 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 that they are no matter what happened they are going to smack the cowboys like they whatever they are smacking the cowboys i'm looking for that energy and you know it's early and all everything i think i've seen was just you know captions pictures so it's a lot. It's a lot that can't be gauged from that. But needless right. to say, um, in my excitement, it's not predicated on any player, <laughs> and it's not predicated on any specific outcome. I'm hoping, you know, as every year there's a team that didn't make the playoffs that does make the playoffs. So of course, I hope that we could be that team. But it's not based on anything. Um, if if I was playing poker with you, which I would probably never do again. I, I would I would have I would be bluffing. I wouldn't have nothing in my hand, but I would be portraying, projecting something different. I'd be taking them risks. <laughs> <laughs> I take them risks. <laughs> yeah, man. As a sidebar, that was that was you know playing poker with you and the crew was definitely a a life's experience that I I treasure, but made it very clear that I have lanes just like everybody else. And there's things that are outside of my lane. So I, I love to see poker being played. I love to be in the presence of it. I love to see 
you know, y'all get into it and talk it, but I'm I'm on the sideline for that one. Yeah, that, it, it's fun, man. It's it's uh it's a mental game, kind of like dominoes. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, you know, we chopped it up with spades with you too. So it's all good. Spades all day. Spades all I got. Spades all we can go. Spades <laughs> we can go. All right. And so I, I mentioned at the start of this segment, you're a sports fan, and clearly yeah. uh, you talk basketball too. But you know, in the real world dynamic of sports, Brittany Griner, um, in jail in Russia. Uh, she had marijuana oil on her um, as she was getting to the airport or about to, I guess, fly home. So she is incarcerated. And I guess per the trial and the charges and all those things, she could face up to, if not more than 10 years in jail in Russia. So the United States has decided she has she's being unfairly detained and so are in discussions with Russia about uh, prisoner exchange. Yep. Um, I'm assuming in that exchange, she will come to the States, have her freedom. Sure, there'll probably, you know, be a media storm surrounding her for a while. But needless to say, she'll be home, she'll be free, which I want for her. I don't think anybody should be incarcerated uh, for marijuana oil. Um, and the point I bring to you for marijuana because one of the things that's in the stratosphere about this situation is that the government is negotiating her release, her freedom to come home, while we still have people sitting in jail, um, lives been dismantled, lives been disrupted, if not ruined, predicated on marijuana use, possession, etc. So in the world of fairness, where does that sit with you? Yeah, I, I think it's difficult because there's there's something related to um, politics of our of our nation and then the, the the being a political prisoner, right? Okay. And so 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 I, I I almost disentangle the two, but I think I think there is some relation that I'll get to. But I'll say what I'll say is this: is that because it's such a public display of aggression towards the United States. Her incarceration. Yeah. Okay. She's a political, like, I mean, she took oil on the plane and got there and got stopped in customs when she arrived. She plays basketball for them. So she, the, she, she got caught arriving in. on the yeah. arrival side of the airport, not the departure. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so they're like, you should not have brought this in our country. They got drugs in their country. They got, they got, look, they got this whole undercurrent of drug activity and mafia activity in Russia. Yes. Right. So the, there's a couple of reasons why they detained her. One is that she's a lesbian. Two, that she's an American and America was sending uh, help to Ukraine after the, after they invoked war. And so, so any way to stick it back to America, they did. She's a celebrity here. So they made it very visible on purpose, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Uh, and to show the, the, like to exert power over America, be like, yeah, you keep doing all this stuff, but we got one of yours and you can't do anything about it. So they, they doing this tit for tat Putin thing. Okay, that's cool. I do think it was wrong. I do think... Um, I do think we, 
need to be careful where we travel and understanding the laws of that land. Amen. So, so, so we, I don't know if we talked before Carlton, I, my dad was in the military and I started grade school in Okinawa, Japan, right? Like I, I pre-K kindergarten, first grade, I lived there for like four or five years, very early in my life. And it, 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 it put into perspective for me that everywhere doesn't function like America. Okay. And when I reflect now and I, and I appreciate the cultures, but I tell you one thing, if I don't understand how the laws are governing a, a area I'm not visiting because I don't want to be stuck. Right. And, and I've never, I've, I've never trusted Russia. I think they got some pretty buildings. I want to see them, but like, I, I don't feel safe. Um, on the real, I'll just like be honest with you. I haven't never been to Europe. I want to go to Europe. Mm-hmm. The reason why I haven't been to Europe is because what I see on TV about Europe is a bunch of tourists. I mean, uh, 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 um, the people shooting up stores, like they see the our kids getting killed in, in elementary schools. I see terrorists on the streets of Paris and like right, right, right. Spots, right? Um, and I'm like, I don't want to go there. I don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. But I would go to Caribbean and see people that look like me and understand that we have this cultural code of what's right <laughs> and what's wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, like you, I think to, to your point about understanding the laws, so to speak, you know, there's written and unwritten rules. And, yeah. and to have, I've not been to Europe either, uh, but I have traveled the Caribbean several places. I think my favorite spot would be Cuba. Um, and as much as there are laws on paper, the laws of the people are just as relevant. Mm-hmm. And I find that when we're, you know, as a black man going to other societies, other countries where there are black people, regardless of the language, there is a connection and understanding and where there is misunderstanding, the corrective actions, the corrective response come from a place closer to love than yep. fear and hate. Yes. So I think her necessity to have to, have to go there for extra funds as a place to work because the WNBA and America don't support our female athletes is a big deal. Yes. I think I, I think it's our fault. I think it's our fault, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So, so I believe in fair compensation. I do. I do think the 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 oils related to cannabis that are used for medicinal purposes that she has a prescription should be permitted. But there should have been somebody working with her related to what medication she can and can't take while she's over there. But she, but they're doing it on their own because they need to make enough money to live. Right. 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 And so, so I, I think the system is unfair for her. I think the display, the public display of who she is, um, America is seeing that as unfair to us. And I'll tell you, they're not thinking about the, the people who look like us, who had possession, who smoked, that ruined, tarnished their ability to earn their own living because of societal laws here. They ain't thinking about that. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to they're trying to get the politics out the way. Yeah. Uh and 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 
their tarnished name nationally. Like, whoa, you got one of America's. What is America going to do? Are you still big and bad? So they got to exert their power, right? Through diplomacy and other ways. They got to exert themselves to show the world that they're still number one. And so that that's what's going on there. So I, like, I try not to get involved with this the political wrangling of what's going on. But but I think at the core of what you're asking, Carlton, is is that many many of our current states um, uh, are are legalizing possession of marijuana. Slowly but surely. Right. Um, that that there's natural remedies of pain and numbing the nervous system, et cetera, calming down, suppressing anxiety, et cetera. And, and, and that happens to be one of the sources. Um, we're, we, we're, we're an addicted society to, to medications, um, drugs and alcohol. We are. Uh, the one thing I worry about with with um, with cannabis is is. And this is my observation, right? I've, I've never smoked. I, I've never smoked. My observation of people who are around me, including my father who did, is that it suppresses your eagerness to succeed. So what I what I hope, like, you know, if people have, you reached you, where you want to achieve in life and you want to just chill, I think it's a good chill agent. If you're on your climb, I would not, I would not introduce anything to take you off your grind. And so, so I, I worry about kids doing too much of that while they're still trying to lay their foundation for the future. Right. Uh, I mean, but I mean, Brittany, she plays ball, her knees hurt. I mean, I still play ball. My knees hurt. I get it. Right. And you got pain. Like this is what I do. I, I mean, I, I don't see, I don't see, I mean, from a, from a medicinal standpoint, I don't see any problem with that for her. And we, and we should, we should be cautioning Americans going into various areas um, related to things that they need to watch out for. Because yeah. this, this world, this world is not all the same. Yeah. I, I think the connection of the two, the number of people incarcerated for, and then bringing Brittany home, think to your point are on the surface relatable issues but they're not the same um this is global this is worldly there's war in russia in ukraine mm -hmm. and and she is a pawn in that particular game yeah um i think people who have been incarcerated for marijuana use possession sale they are they have been pawns or chess yep. pieces in a different game this game yep. um I, I think resolving this issue for what it is talking about with Brittany Griner is pertinent but then there will still remain an issue related to the past present and future in our country when it comes to cannabis that requires separate types of attention the person dealing with the britney griner issue will not be the person dealing with the societal issue in the united states i think so we I, should have sponged the records of individuals that have entered our criminal system in any form or fashion uh, related to cannabis 
unless they unless like yeah unless they had you know illegal sales or something like that some white collar crime no i like having possession selling a couple bags of weed whatever yeah i think i think anybody who has that on their on their criminal record yeah it should be wiped out and erased forever yeah that's that's what i really think yeah we understand what you know what's done is done right you can't change the past um, but I think in terms of where we are today and what can be done on go for it, I definitely think is is something that was one of the uh, options I would support. Yeah. I think to your other point in terms of is why use is adaptation and the cautionary tales. Um, I would, you know, use Denver as an example. Yeah. Um, I've not, I've only been once. And so this is just, you know, my observation. Yeah. I've been, I went to high school in Denver in-laws are in Denver. My brother's in Denver. I go back. Yep. You know, to, to know it's been legal in Denver for as long as it has one of the longest, you know, between Cali, Denver is one of the longest cities, states where it's been legal in some fashion or form. It was a different vibe in Denver. It was a different vibe in the downtown streets. You know, people were a lot, there was a lot of lost looks. There was a lot of subdued energy, (laughs) a lot of subdued personalities. And I've only been there once and I didn't ask anybody, are you on weed or is that, you know, I didn't pose, I'm just observing. You know, I got my, my observation goggles on, but it was a weird vibe. It was a weird vibe, and it, and to to know it was the land of the free, the vibe is not what I would have expected um, being there. So, you know, I'm still for legalization. I think if you could grow it in your backyard, you should do be you. able to do with it, you know, how you see fit. But I think just like everything else, alcohol is illegal, is legal. But we need to be accountable to ourselves with how much, when, you know, all that stuff as to how we uh, consume and partake in. So um, I also vibe with you on that regard. Yeah, we do got to be careful, man. Um, You don't want anything to knock you out of where you're trying to be because you could peak at the wrong time. Right. If you, if your time to shine was high school, then you got a long, tough life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because oftentimes, Carlton, I ask you this. Uh, I know you interviewing me and we chopping it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could replay any decade of your life, Ooh. which one would it be? Re- let me. So let me. This is what I do. You know, don't get annoyed ask, with ask me. I, I annoy people with this sometimes. So let me clarify. Let me ask a yeah. clarifying question. So. To replay the decade, am I replaying it to improve it, replaying it because it was fun, or just, you know, what's the context Both, of the replay? But but with the outcome that you can do no harm. You will you will not end up worse off mm. than where you currently are. So it could be so, fun, it could be to it could be to plant a new seed, it could be a bunch of stuff. Where which decade of your life would you go back? Man, so you know. I've lived a blessed life. And so the only time period, the decade would be 10 to 20 or 20 to 30, right? And so 20 to 30 is real complicated, real, real complicated. Um, And would have implications on everything I experienced today. So I would probably 
replay 10 to 20. Yep. Um, because, you know, for me, I, I think the biggest kind of misinformation, if, right. if that's even the right term, that I had was around my career. Only, you know, to be black, to be smart in my community, the question was, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Right. And so in my mind, through starting college, those were my best two options. I didn't know about epidemiology. I didn't know about health administration. Maybe I knew business administration was something to major in, but what business, you know, what business do I have? And so I think just having a better awareness of professional options, digging deeper into curriculum, digging deeper into majors, digging deeper into self, um, having a, a, a clearer alignment with who I am, a clearer awareness with who I am, what aligns with who I am, versus the influences and the perspectives for the most part of the adults in my life and granted they didn't do it with any ill intention you know i i've said in other spaces i grew up feeling loved and protected and guided and all those things it's just i think in that in, in what would i replay um i had a blast you know 10 to 10 to 16 was was whatever but you know yeah. High school, 12th grade was a blast. Uh, uh, and getting on that Florida campus, you know, we can't, we ain't even talk about that, all that here. But, um, you know, so there's beauty in it. And I wouldn't change anything, really, because that journey has landed me to sitting here, being able to do what you and I are doing right now. Um, but, you know, there was some misinformation. And I think to connect it to our point, you know, at that stage in anyone's life, you know, an overconsumption and overuse, use maybe even period of weed and other drugs um, in that period could have impacts for stuff that, you know, you just don't know what 20 to 30, 30 to 40, right. you don't even have a clue as to what those things contain, right? Yeah. So let's not do anything that disrupts your journey before you even have clarity on what your journey is. That's right. That's right. I mean, no, you're absolutely right. When, when, when I think of it, I mean, I worked, I worked my ass off early in my career. I still work hard, but if I was going to replay a decade, I'd finish the one I'm in and do it again so I can enjoy like this is the time like if there's a time to peak I feel like I'm peaking okay. right now okay right okay. Um, I mean I would go back and I probably wouldn't have took out student loans when I had academic scholarships and wasted a bunch of money I wouldn't have done that um I would I would not have done many of the things that I did but I but I would not have sacrificed the outcome that I have today mm-hmm so I, I want I want today to be um, that where I landed is where I want to be. Okay. And so so I, yeah. I question like should I have went to fam should I have done this should I yeah. have done that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Should, right and the truth is everything everything mm -hmm. I went through made me who I am. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and I like it. I like how it became. Yeah, I, I like the end results. So I like well, let's let's do this decade. Let's do the decade. But see, of you know, I'm a little earlier in this. Yeah. We are in the same decade, you and I. <laughs> but I'm on the earlier side of it. Yep. And, and so I also learn, you know, from you as you, you know, you progress ahead of me a mm -hmm. little bit. And so it's still early for me. I think for me, this decade to not yay or nay replay, but yeah. to have the awareness that I have compared to the previous decade. Absolutely. To then know with clarity and with honor and with power what I want, what I'm doing, what my purpose is, you know, all those things, that's what's powerful in my aura right now. And so for me, I'm honed in on taking the lessons from, you know, yep. all the decades from zero to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, and, you know, 40 on, I, I reflect, I meditate, I sit with those things and, and realize that so much is cyclical for us things repeat patterns repeat behaviors that we were exhibiting at age 11 will reveal themselves at 37 at 43 and so if it's still something for you to ascertain for me to ascertain from that experience from that journey i'm gonna go ahead and take it that's right i'm gonna go ahead and take it that's right all right so on that we'll take a break and we'll be right back To conversations with Carlton. I'm with my guest, Dr. Robert Nobles. And so are you entertained? That's our next segment. So my question to you, Dr. Nobles, is what are you watching right now? Man, you know, when sports went out, um, uh, there's, there's, it's, it's an interesting thing. They have this B-League basketball series that's on and, and tournaments, and I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out, but honestly, TV, TV isn't on. This is okay. summertime. When okay. we, when, when NBA finals went out, I cut off the TV for two months. Really? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's one called the terminal list that came on, you know, I try to, yeah, but hey, I'm not really watching TV. I'm not, watch, I'm not, I am not engaged in that. And I, and for two months while my kids were out of school and they go back to school on Monday, I really focus, I really focus on family, vacation, fun, 
uh, and I have not tapped in. We play cards at night. Uh, uh, I'm not doing right. it. Uh, I mean, just can't. Uh, I respect it. I respect it yeah. with a K. All right. So I don't know about the B League. I have seen a bunch of alternative basketball on. But I'm a sports snob. You know, if it's not the A-team, if it's not the NBA, if it's not the NFL, um, I'm going to have a hard time caring. I think that's really what it comes down to. I need somebody to cheer for, like golf. I love to play golf. I love to watch golf. If Tiger playing, I'm waking up whatever that time I need to wake up. If he's not playing, you know, I have – I like Rory. I like – well, Brooks Brooks kept his jump ship for LIV. We're not going to yeah. get into that. Um, but I, I have a hard time watching B-League type stuff. So Me props, props watch, to you. I watch a little time. soccer. Yeah, I mean, I watch a little soccer with Atlanta United and what's going on with our Major League Soccer stuff. But that's just because my kids are into it and I got into it. But nah, bro. Okay. TV, TV over the summer ain't a thing. I, I respect it. So then not watching as much, what are you listening to? Oh man, Kendrick Kendrick's album that dropped was hot. Um, I, I no, I'm still I'm still, and I listen to a lot of Kanye West still. Still, like that's my okay. dude. Now, all right. So let me ask so questions. So you listening to Kendrick? I want to come back to that. But in listening to Kanye, what are are you going backwards and just you know you just kind of go through the whole portfolio Kanye collection? Or are you kind of, yeah. do you have Donda on replay? No, I like Donda a lot. Uh, you did. But I, yeah, I do. Okay. Like, you I, do. I listen okay. to Donda. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Donda is still hotter than Drake's last two albums. Um, I mean, so so I listen to Donda, but I'm going, I listen to Kanye, Kanye Jay Z collab. I listen to Kanye from the beginning to the end. Uh, I mean, I listen to J. Cole, Kendrick, and other people too, but Kanye, Kanye, the belief that he has in himself, let's say he's a little off, I'm cool with that, but the belief that he has in in himself and the way that he expresses himself is so real to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just real. Like, you could feel when somebody believes in themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm and, and I and I apply that to the to the to the workplace. Like I want people to believe in themselves because they won't let themselves fail. And so when I when I hear the passion exuding from somebody, man, I gravitate to that. Okay, like passion, uh, like real passion. passion. You know, I, you that's know? interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I I think when I when I think about the music that I gravitate to, there's a passion in there. But there's also a bravado. There's a there's a there's a, a, a intellect, and also, and I'm talking about Kanye, um, an intellect and an ability to see and articulate what for most of us is normal, but or what's common. They see the same things that we see, but they're able to articulate perspectives that you know, we just, we don't have. And I think, you know, the line that sticks out for me forever for Kanye is when he said, uh, mayonnaise color bins, I drive miracle whips. Miracle whips. Oh, ah! That, you know, he said a lot of other stuff. Some may even be better, but to know what miracle whip is, 
to know yeah. what Benzes are, to have seen them, rode in them, experiencing them, all that. There was no way I would have ever imagined to connect what that meant for him, because it's also acknowledging, to your point, his success. You know, yeah. it's a mir- it's, it's the miracle in what he's been able to achieve that is all is reflected in the bins that he's driving so i'll peep that i'll give you that yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I got, so come back I real quick i know the, he's off but i love it man i love well, it you know we we all got something right and i think you know on 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 the podcast uh shout out to thoughts of genius check it out um i kind of pair him will smith and kanye in that nobody would have said prior to some of the situation, but before the entanglement, nobody would have necessarily crit- critiqued Will Smith's mental wherewithal. I yeah. think Kanye's has been on display throughout his career. I mean, we saw it with the uh, incident at the MTV Awards where it was yeah. on full display, but it's shown up in his music. He talked about it, the documentary on Netflix. But they exist, it's all on a spectrum. And Kanye may be here because of, you know, some clinical things. I think he's been diagnosed as being bipolar. But we all are dealing with some sort of mental, emotional burden that left undealt with will reveal itself in unhealthy ways. So, you know, I I think to hear Kanye... He shares his journey, right? He he's everything that he does is for us to hear, see, receive, no matter how far out it might be. But through his music, I'm not a fan of Donda, but other things that he's continuing to do, and even on Donda, we still hear that Kanye, where he like he talked about the old Kanye, we hear the brilliance and the genius that he is as an artist. And so I look forward to the album where he showcases it fully again. And for some, that was Donda. But I also look forward to the day where that's what we get more from him than some of this other stuff. Agreed. 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 All right. Before we jump to the next question, I want to come back to Kendrick. So you listen to Kendrick. Without any individual songs, anything of that nature, what are you taking from the Kendrick Lamar experience with this with his most recent album? Yeah. So he went, he went into his life. He usually goes into his life. Like he's a conscious rapper. Um, he, like there, there's certain things that he said that, that taps into his struggle during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and, and not having thought re- reconnecting with family, uh, listening to people in social media as if that's the truth like he he he's speaking to his awareness of society and and in the struggles of being a black man in america and mm-hmm. in the in, in broken relationships and how crazy we talk to each other mm-hmm. right one of the craziest songs on the album is him going back and forth with old girl and i'm like that 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 is a hood argument and I'm 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 so happy I I I don't have to talk like that. To, <laughs> that was your reaction. The reciprocated okay. love that I okay. want. Yeah, I, I think I was a little more convicted than you uh, on that particular song, not because I talk like that, 
but I think the ridiculousness, I think, yeah. of some of the arguments that I've had in my lifetime, it was like, hey, man, there it is. You do better. That's not because it, it, it may not be those same words, but it's been yeah. that energy. Yeah, it's that same BN. Like, I ain't it's doing been that. that energy. Okay. So, 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 having said that, one of the things that I connect with in music is the place where I came from. And it, and it brings me joy to know I'm not still in that place. Okay. But I still recognize, I identify hmm. with it. I can go back there, okay. but I'm like, yeah, that, 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 that crap right there is how I don't want to be living my life. Thank okay. you. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for yeah, reminding no. me. You know what I mean? I, I and can take that back. I can take that I back. I can feel it. I can feel it. Like, I never have to live that because I'm living it through the music and I'm good. I'm good. You know, we all got evolution opportunities. And so I guess for me, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of embracing the mindset that you apply versus submerging myself back into that experience you yeah. know because for me i'll get into a song and i'll kind of wake up in that space again and i'm like you know so instead of getting in kind of sitting back and saying you know that was i'm blessed and fortunate that that is no more so again i i keep learning from you my brother so i appreciate it all right so i'm gonna get you out of here on this uh what are you reading so two two books actually. Um, one is the old one, and it was mailed to me by one of my employees. Uh, it was by James Baldwin, "The Fire Next Time," right? And I didn't know James Baldwin, and um, it, it was a it was one of my Caucasian employees who lived in South Africa, and he was like, "Man, you know this is so applicable, and I want to I want to send this book to everybody. Do you mind if I send it to you?" I'm like, "That's cool." I started reading it. Man, it's deep is deep okay is is deep his life james baldwin's life is deep what he's talking about he wrote a letter to his nephew on the 100th anniversary of the emancipation proclamation of saying hey man this world is hard for a young black male the true trick is don't believe what people tell you you should believe about yourself elevate elevate your mind elevate your awareness of who you are and it will come a day where you will be seen as equal but do understand that's going to come with a lot of struggle and strife for the people that we're trying to equalize ourselves to okay and and it was so pertinent um and then he went through being a preacher and all the, you know the the real harsh life uh he died in 1985 i mean he was born in like early 1900s but but the real harsh life of growing up in this in the past century as the black man and what you experience. And, and, and he was ahead of his time saying, I am not going to subscribe to being who they want me to be. And it was real. Okay. So, uh, so that's one book. The other book is The Hot Sauce Principle. Um, the Hot Sauce Principle uh, is a leadership book by Brandon Smith. And it talks about urgency in the workplace. And it talks about prioritization and what do you do when everything is on fire, like hot sauce? 
and everybody is running around with everything on fire. How do you put it into perspective and gain consciousness about what you need to do to maximize your impact? And so um, I finished Hot Sauce Principle. I got into James Baldwin. I need to finish that. Uh, but, but man, I'm trying to find things that feed my soul and help me maximize my impact back to our communities. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, you know, just sharing your approach, right? That's, you know, that's why I asked, what are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? Because we all learn and benefit from each other. Um, and so I think just as those things influence what you do in your community, in your environment, in your space, within yourself, even you talking about it will give somebody that same opportunity. So, you know, I, I think amongst everything, whether it's what we've talked about, what we see, you know, separate from our podcast, you know, whatever's out there, it's all connected. And I think the more we're able to embrace that, the more we're able to accept that, that's where I think James Baldwin, that future place that he speaks to, that's where that stuff comes. And it, it doesn't come easily because we hold on to our ideals. We hold on to our belief system, regardless how misplaced, out of place, out of touch, out of touch, out of time, whatever it is, people hold on to it. But at the end of the day, we're all humans having, you know, a human experience. So um, I thank you, uh, Dr. Yeah. Nobles, for sharing your human experience with me, with uh, the Unsolicited Genius audience. And um, I look forward to uh, seeing what your Broncos do. Absolutely, man. Look, let me just say I'm humbled by the opportunity to sit down with you, man. I wish I was in studio with you. So that we could chop it up in person. But man, this was fantastic. You are my brother. I love you uh, for what you're doing and what you are, will continue to do uh, and the impact you continue to make, my man. So I appreciate you. Keep doing your thing. Uh, man, keep, 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 keep the outcomes coming, bro. Appreciate it. And to our listeners, to our viewers, thank you for joining us for another conversation with Carlton. And we'll catch you next time. Wherever we are, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, like, if it's something to be liked, subscribe, if it's something to be subscribed to, and follow. Um, that's how we grow our reach. That's how we grow our brand. Genius.